Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Where today we're going to bring the Lordship of Jesus Christ uh, to an important area, and it's called culture. You know, Jesus prayed there in his uh, model prayer when the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, Jesus said that famous line, and it really gives us our mission. He said, uh, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that really is the task of discipleship. It's to bring kingdom realities into our own lives so that we're living like Jesus, that our churches reflect the culture of Christ's kingdom, uh, and that we're not living as normal people, as mortal men. We're living as people who are full of the Holy Spirit and who have been powerfully transformed uh, by the Lord Jesus himself. Uh, and when that happens, you know, when we said we like to say this, it was actually a Chuck Colson line, transform people, transform culture. Yeah. And, uh, and so it all begins to start in us and then begins to permeate into the culture. But, you know, I started a series that uh, we're both very excited about. Uh, it's called Our Tribe, uh, Pursuing a Life-Giving Culture. And we're going to be spending like the next eight weeks, so all the way through Christmas season and all the way through uh, the new year, establishing who are we at Living Stones. You know, that is, that is what culture is all yeah. about. It's about how we go about doing what we do here at Living Stones, and uh, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, and we, we have had a lot of feedback saying this series called Our Tribe is so timely. Um, and why is that? Why are we going, why are we intentionally talking about our culture yeah. right now in this season? You know, first of all, that's a great question. Yeah. And I think it's an important question for those of us in leadership. You know, when we talk about relevance, it's not about mimicking what's ever going on in the society. It's really about discerning the season that you're in yeah. and asking the Lord to help you lead correctly. Uh, and so we're talking about culture because we have had an influx of lots of new people uh, at Living Stones. In fact, uh, we've nearly doubled in size since COVID happened, which is, which that's a whole nother discussion in and of yeah. itself. Um, but we realized that getting new people is not always uh, a good thing unless those new people share your culture. In fact, they could be distractions or they could be detrimental to yeah. the vision. And so uh, it, it has been uh, the Holy Spirit's uh, wisdom and us agreeing with Him, which is a good problem or a good a good pattern rather, always end up being in agreement with the Holy Spirit, but we just felt like, you know, now's the time we need to talk about who are we at Living Stones. And uh, people come and, and, you know, when you walk into churches, you're going to experience culture. And, yeah. you know, culture's always hard to kind of put your fingers around, you know, how to get your arms around it, but you experience it. And there's lots of great uh, churches in our community. We celebrate them. We love the body of Christ. There's lots of great churches across the nation uh, and in the nations of the world. Every single one of them is absolutely unique. Yeah. And, you know, when you come into that culture, you walk into church on Sunday morning, you feel something. You know, there's a lot going on. Yeah, you might not be able to pinpoint it, but you definitely have a different feeling. And, I, and yeah. I mean, you're in yeah. charge of our all of our serve teams. And so... You know, we start in the parking lot. We yeah. start with our greeters. You know, what what are you what are you trying to communicate as a leader? What are you what are, what are you telling our people is important when a stranger or visitor comes to Living Stones? Yeah, I mean, we we tell our serve team our vision, our goal for our Sunday serve team is for everyone who comes into a building to feel at home. 
you know, to have a family atmosphere, to feel like yep. they belong, whether they're first time here or they haven't been in church in months or whatever's going on in their lives. So like they, they warm, feel friendly home. people, yeah. greeters. We, we're big huggers here at Living yeah, Stones. And, you know, we go, our pastoral staff, our team goes out. I mean, we're not just all kind of come in and sit and do our service. No, we're out floating. We're right. meeting new people. We see people standing by themselves. We want to engage with them. Yeah. Um, it's literally like a big family uh, family room with and that starts in Hundreds the parking of people lot before you ever get yeah, in Yeah, waving at people as they're coming in. We want to have that personal touch. You yeah. know, as we get bigger, we want to stay personal, yeah. which is a challenge. But that's part of the culture we're trying to push. You know, And, and I shared last Sunday, you know, sometimes in life, you, I asked the question, how many of you have ever been part of a dead, cold, you know, lifeless uh, culture? Whether it's uh, your family culture, work culture, church culture. And I think we all could relate to that. You know, um, when you come into a place... You know, for instance, when you walk into a funeral home, it has a certain culture. Nobody's running around shouting and cheering and doing cartwheels because that's not that's not appropriate for that right. culture. It's very quiet. It's very reserved. You know, depending on your church background, you, you know, you're you either come into some cultures that are very cold, quiet, reserved, or you come into cultures that you know are full of warmth, celebrating energy, passion. Uh, you know, really celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, and uh, and that's really what we strive for. But the point is, you're going to encounter culture. Wherever right. you're at in life, right. everywhere you go, you run into culture. Well, absolutely. So this this issue of culture is not obviously not just a church uh, situation. It applies to your organization, to your school, to your business, to the nation, to different states, different states have different cultures. Oh, yeah. And how about this, to your family? Yeah. Right? You know, you know I'm, you know, in my own family, I get to develop, in your family, we get to develop our own culture. There's right. a culture, when you come into my household, there's a culture there. And so. the word you used, it was such a key word, we get to develop. Yeah. Because we shared Sunday, you know, everybody can be negative or critical of, of certain bad culture. Oh, that church is this or that, yeah. and be critical. Um, but we pointed out that churches are just the, the you know, <laughs> the gathering of people. And so when, when all those people come together, there's a certain vibe. Yeah. And the challenge is, you know, we're all toxic by nature. We're all unhealthy, and we're trying to, you know, celebrate healthy culture. But I'm unhealthy. You're unhealthy. Every single human being uh, is unhealthy by nature. We need Jesus to change, you know, this culture. And so, you know, it's been said, like, if a a leader is in charge of a certain, you know, place, like, say, a church, say, okay, so I've I've been the senior pastor now for over a decade. If, the, if I don't like the culture at Living Stones, it's my fault right. because the culture is going to be a reflection of me and, and what I live and our leadership team and what we value. And it's the same thing at home. You might be, I've heard men say this, you know, well, I'm supposed to be the leader, but I'm not the leader in my house, you know, uh, and they complain about all this going on. Well, you are the leader. The, the Bible says you're the leader. Yeah. You're, you're the leader of your home. And so if you don't like the fruit or the environment in your marriage or you don't like the environment with your children own it because you're the one that sets the environment right and uh and so we have to realize we have an uphill battle but the battle's worth fighting because if culture doesn't get addressed nothing else matters yeah i think what we're saying is if you're a leader and and most of you guys listening are leaders or leading in some capacity capacity at the very least you're a leader of yourself right that's right and you have a culture in yourself too but but the point we're trying to make is be very intentional. You know, don't let uh, ha- uh, culture be haphazard. 
think through and see, and think and see what is the culture of my leadership sphere? What is the culture of my family? Now, one thing that people say, because culture is so hard to define sometimes, there's a couple ways to describe culture. Uh, somebody said culture is a combination of what you permit and what you incentivize or what you reward. reward yeah. Okay, So in other words, culture is when you establish culture, when you say, hey, we don't do this. Right. And, other, and on the flip side, culture is when we celebrate certain yeah. things. Yeah, you know, like at church, we might call somebody up. And yeah. say, hey, tell that story. Right. What about this? Demonstrating radical generosity right. or bold faith or daring love. Let's talk. Those are our values. Let's talk yeah. about that. And we celebrate that. Right. We let people know, great job. Right. That's exact. That's who we are. Right. And then on the flip side, we don't celebrate. You know, like for instance, if people leave our culture after after messing up our culture because of their selfishness or their own agenda or whatever it is. We don't bring those people up in front of everybody and say, hey, yeah. we want to bless you as you get ready to leave after you just destroyed the church culture. Well, I mean, I, know? let me use the example of my family. You know, I've tried to establish some very uh, specific culture in our family. And so when my kids act a certain way that's not aligned to our culture, I don't just sit there and let it play out. Right. I intervene. I say, hey, we don't do this to each other. You know, yeah. we don't punch your brother and sister in the <laughs> yeah. face. You know, we don't do that. And I come down strong on that because that's a strong part of our culture. We protect each other. We don't that's hurt good. each other. That's good. But you, so. but you see what's going on and you verbalize this is yeah. not how we act. That's right. culture. That yeah. means as a Ming family or as the Johnson family, this is not how we roll. And yeah. as as living stones, that's what leadership does. We we address situation we say hey great job or you know what how could we have handled that better because that's really not how right. we act and i think it's important to have clarity uh be very intentional you know for my family my wife and i actually sit down and and part of establishing culture is is, is itemizing or clarifying what things you value so we made a list of things we value we came up ways to communicate that to our kids and our family and we reinforce that it's really not that complicated yeah. it takes some time it takes intentionality it takes work yeah but when we start reinforcing in a consistent way that 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 culture just fused into our kids and after a well, while they start saying the same thing oh we don't do this oh we do this we you said know? you know it's no it's no good to have your core values up on the wall yeah. if they're just aspirational they're things that you hope someday that become a reality that yeah. just like in your home you're, you're wanting your kids to act this way to have repeated behavioral patterns that they don't even have to think about right. that's just who they are right and and you know you said this before in one of your messages it was so good you said you know Culture is like jumping into a river. When when it's moving downstream um, and, and and everybody is in alignment with that vision, it carries you to a place without you even trying. Right. But when culture's bad, it's like trying to swim upstream and you gotta work so hard and swim against the current. Right. And it seems like you're never gonna get there because because here's the point. You know, values in your culture support your vision and and what's more important than a vision for a christ-centered marriage and family or uh the vision that god's given us at your local church or here at living stones you know that vision is is why we're here it's our it's important it's, it's why we exist so culture serves that vision so you got to have a clear vision and then you got to have clear values because if you're you know it was the leadership guru uh, uh peter drucker who said um Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah. Um, in other words, who cares if you have these amazing strategies if nobody likes each other? If, right. the, if the culture's toxic, right. then 
You're, you're, you know, you could have the greatest vision in the world, but it's a daydream at that point. You're never going to accomplish that vision if the culture's unhealthy. And so we're really, you know, uh, I know one of the things since I took over the helmet living stones, I've been very intentional about creating a really great culture because I know when the culture's great, people grow, they flourish. We have fun. You know, ministry should be fun. Right. Gathering with God's people should be fun. Uh, our staff should be fun. Uh, what we do together should be exciting. Uh, life should be a joy. Uh, not that there's not challenges, but when the culture's great, man, you feed off of each other uh, and you just sense the energy in the place. Yeah, I think there's another great book called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni, I believe. And, and the advantage he's talking about is organizational health, which is culture. Right. He says basically organizational health trumps everything yeah you know you can have all this all this capital you have the smartest the most educated people but you have organizational uh lack of health or yeah. or dysfunction then the organization collapsed and, and we talked about yeah. this you know part of good leadership and what we're really looking at doing in in 2021 is is uh building healthy leaders growing people mm -hmm. multiplying leaders but and then out of that context uh building healthy teams a lot of churches, a pastor will stand up and say, we need three people in the children's ministry. Uh, you know, yeah. we're begging you, otherwise we're not going to be able to have children's ministry. Or we need youth workers, or we need ushers or greeters. Or, But it becomes this like, almost like we're begging people to fill slots. Right. And as we've talked about, when, when you know, what you've done so effectively is you have built people around you by investing in their lives, spending time with them, having fun with them, uh, envisioning them, challenging them, uh, and as a result of the relationships, which really is a discipling relationship, mentoring relationship, these folks love each other and they love you. And so what happens is when, when you have a team that loves each other, the task is almost irrelevant. Right. It doesn't matter what you're asking them to do. The point is we love being together, and, and so whatever you ask us to do, we'll go have fun doing it. And I think that's real. That, that's all about culture, yeah. and that's what we're trying to disseminate through all of our teams. Is hey, let's build some really tight relationships, and out of those relationships, we can conquer the world together. Yeah, and and that's one. That's because one of our core value is covenant relationships. Yeah. That we believe relationships is more important than your checklist. We believe relationships are eternal, so yeah. it's a worthy investment. So again, like that's embedded in everything we do, but when we clarify it and when we incentivize it, when we value it, now we can uh, pass it on to uh, generation and generation to say, this is one of our core values. We value relationships. That's good. Know? That's good. So, and and that's, that's kind of connecting those dots where we're talking about covenant relationships and talking about uh, actually seven of our core values, you know, here in the weeks ahead. Yeah. You know, but, but one of the things that we, we harbored on Sunday too is... Um, creating an environment, uh, because we're, we're a ministry. Every, everything we do here is about the glory of God. And I talked Sunday about the importance of creating a culture, a, a kingdom culture, where the presence of the Lord feels at home. Mm. And, um, and that's why we do certain things around living stones. That's why, for instance, we, we worship. We, we want to leave a, a, a wide uh, swath of time where we have a chance to encounter the presence of the Lord. And the Bible says he is enthroned on the praises of his people. So I try to connect Sunday. Like this is a value uh, for living stones. When people will come and they'll say, man, I, oh, wow, I just, I started crying. I couldn't, I couldn't stop crying. Why was I crying? 
um, well, you're crying because you've encountered the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I think, you know, for us, when we talk about values, we don't want to just have religious ceremonies or religious services. We're not looking to create this efficient program uh, where people come in and punch the time clock and we sing this many songs and we we do this, we do this, we pray, and we're done by this time on, on the dot. And, um, and it's almost like a religious program. I mean, we are really after creating a place where the Holy Spirit comes and inhabits the place. And as I shared Sunday, I love that, I love that idea about furniture. You know, if I invite you over to my house and there's no furniture, we're going to be looking at each other kind of awkwardly because uh, there's no place to sit. There's no place to hang out. There's no place to connect or eat or whatever we want to do. And uh, the principle we brought out was that the way we create furniture in our churches is the Lord says he is enthroned on the praises of his people. So our praises create the furniture. What's the furniture? It's the throne. It's the place where the Lord can come and dwell among us. You know, you talked about, or uh, I think it was Hotam in the, in the couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, that at his business meetings, he has an empty seat. That empty seat is not because God sits in chairs, right. but it's so that we recognize that we want the presence of the Lord here. I, I think it was Pastor Cho in Korea, world's largest church, you know, over a million members. He said on his stage, there was always an empty seat, and that empty seat was for the Lord. It was their reminder that this, this gathering exists for the Lord. And I just, you know, wanted to reestablish at Living Stones why we, why we do what we do, why our worship is the way that it is, why we, we take priority right. uh, in singing and praising the Lord, because He comes in a very real and tangible way upon the praises of His people. Yeah, and I, that's one of our values is that we, we, we're not just doing a serve, we're not doing a show a right. control environment show. We we actually want to worship. Now, let me put it this way. It, it sounds crazy for a church to, to have to clarify this, but we actually expect the presence of God on Sunday morning. Come on. I, you know, we must have the presence. We must have the presence. We, 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 we expect and we usher and we want, we invite the supernatural into our service. Yeah. We put ourselves in a place in which we, if the supernatural doesn't show up, then everything we do is obsolete. Yes. And, and so it's not everything's controlled, everything's all planned out, all these different things. We actually want that, which is, you would think that that's what every church will want, right? And not necessarily the case, um, but that's kind of part of our culture is we we have faith in, yeah. in God wanting to inhabit the praise of his people. And, and what's scary, and we've talked about this, is you don't want to be in the business of trying to manufacture in the natural out of human strength, yeah. excellence, organization, uh, whatever, in the natural, what God's trying to do in the supernatural. You know, we talked about the early church, the first church, and they weren't perfect, but man, they had they had culture. Yeah. They got in the word, they ate together, There was it was relationally driven, not just communion, but they had meals together. They prayed together. And the Bible says there was a sense of awe. And and that is so missing. You know, I joked around Sunday that at Living Stones, um, we're not seeker sensitive at all. In fact, that we're not even trying to be. That That is the farthest thing from our minds. I've heard of, uh, of churches that actually pump in um, you know the top pop music, so that when their their philosophy is when when a when a non-believer comes in our midst, that 
he'll feel at home. It'll be like being at the bar. It'll be like being at the nightclub or wherever they, they spent Friday and Saturday. They'll hear the same music and it won't be so shocking. You know, they'll, they'll come in and, and, uh, and, and, and it's almost like we're going to sneak up on them or that the Holy Spirit's going to sneak up on them. Uh, and, you know, I joked around Sunday, but it really is true that our philosophy is different. We're all about shock and awe here at Living Stones. Because when you come into the sanctuary, first of all, you should encounter God's presence. And then as we sing, we're not singing for one another. We're not singing to try to make each other comfortable. We're singing to magnify the greatness of Jesus. And he's our focus, not people. He's our focus. He said this, if you will exalt me, if you will lift me up, I will draw all men. So we're actually believing that if we do our part to magnify Jesus, it's his job to draw people. And that, in fact, is what's happening every single week. Absolutely. And even that aligns with the whole kingdom message that the primary place of ministry is not even like for evangelism or engaging uh, people who don't know Jesus. It's not necessarily on Sunday. It's Monday through Saturday. It's in the workplace. It's really, that's another core value. It's about equipping people. People. Yeah, we're about growing people, not and then take the take Jesus to the market. Absolutely, Sunday is a place of corporate worship, growing, equipping you and training you, galvanizing you. Not not Sunday is a place for 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 a gathering of everyone. Then we no Sunday is a time of worship is is, is exalting God. Yeah, people are uncomfortable. They probably will be if they don't know Jesus. Yeah. You know? and, I, and I like what you said. And in the home or in the workplace or in, at the church. Uh, this is why we do this. You know, sometimes we will stop on Sunday morning. I think this is important for leaders and for pastors. Sometimes we stop, like I did Sunday, right after the last worship song. I said, why are we doing this? Yeah. You know, we come to church, we sing songs, we sit down, take up the offering, talk about announcements, preach the word, say a prayer, go home. That can become such a routine that we sometimes fail to realize, why are we doing these things? So for us, why are we worshiping like this? We're building a throne where the Holy Spirit can come in our midst and be in charge of our service. Yeah. And, and when he's in charge, supernatural things happen. People get saved. People get healed. People get delivered. Um, bondages are broken off of people. Breakthrough happens in their life. There's supernatural generosity to accomplish the mission. Um, I mean, it's amazing. There's love and, and, and koinonia among the people. There's yeah. great unity. Uh, in the church, and and when that happens, you you become an unstoppable force. Absolutely, and and so that's that that we don't want to just do programs. We want to be an unstoppable force in the earth, right. not just us, the body of Christ. But we yeah. we want to be a part of that mighty river. I think we recognize that we cannot be an unstoppable force on this earth on our own ability. No. You know, we got lots of talent and ability and natural abilities, and and human beings, made image and likeness of God, have. Great ability. Look at the Tower of Babel. You know, like people can accomplish great things based on their natural strength. Yeah. However, we don't want to tap into that. We want to tap into the supernatural. And that's part of our value, bold faith. Yeah. You know, we're, talking we're going about- to be talking a lot about that Sunday, as a matter of fact, yeah. uh, of being a people who have, who have encountered such an amazingly great God that we simply believe that because that's our God, nothing is impossible. Absolutely. And, uh, and I, I just want to say this, you know, we were talking about this COVID situation and for many pastors, all of us, frankly, we've never had to walk here before, but what this pressure cooker is doing is it's revealing uh, core values that maybe haven't been stated in a lot of churches. What, yeah. what I see a lot of pastors trying to do right now is they're trying to, to dance on both sides of the issue. What they have is they have a divided congregation 
and their goal is not to offend anybody in their congregation, and they're trying they're, they're trying to manage a bad situation. It's like crisis management. Right. In fact, even a lot of the blogs and the bloggers they're talking about crisis management or leading through crisis. Yeah. The, the, this is why a lot of pastors are in trouble. They have never established clearly the core values of that congregation. See what core values do is they they meld everybody together under one banner. Mm-hmm. Just like you're doing with your kids. And when you, when you say, hey, in the Ming household, this is how we do it. Well, core values say, hey, at Living Stones, this is what we value. Because we value these things, now all of a sudden the decision-making process becomes much more clear. Absolutely. We will, we will do this. We will not do this. Yeah. Because we could do everything, and then we have no resource for anything because we're spread so far apart instead of being focused on what we're called to do. I've yeah. heard pastors say, you know, um, we, we got too much to lose. We, we, we can't afford this. We, we, we can't afford a, a black eye in the community. What if this happens? What if that happens? Well, those, those all go back to your values. Yeah. Evidently, your value is play it safe. Evidently, your value is... Not offend. Pl- not offend. Yeah. Please the community at yeah. all costs. Yeah. Um, your, your value is security, safety. Yeah. Um, well, okay, that's fine. Uh, but how's that working for you now? Yeah. Uh, it's probably not working well, very well at all. And I think that's this is where confusion comes because rarely do people put their core value as not offend anybody. No one will say it right. or put it on their wall, but that's what you're demonstrating. You know? So you, you could you could say our church is about bold faith, right? But then what are you doing right now? Yeah. Is, is, your, is your leadership demonstrating bold faith? Right. Probably not. If you're concerned about what's everybody going right. to think. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, so, so for instance, one of the things we're going to preach about Sunday is is one of our values is bold faith gets out of the boat first. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Peter, there's only two people that have ever walked on water that we know of in human history. Right. Jesus and Peter. And the reason Peter walked on water, even though it was a momentary uh, walking on the water, but yeah. he walked on water more than you and I have. Oh, I mean, I, I could see in heaven. People be like, oh, Peter, you didn't have faith. You looked away and you started drowning. And he'll just be like, dude, because you walked on water before. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're you're still still boat. Yeah, it's like, dude, you, don't even talk to me. You never walked on water. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You got nothing to say. At least he walked on water. So you got to, you know, to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. You got to get out of the boat. And yeah. you got to get wet. Uh, and so, but, the, my, but my point is, our core values challenge us. Yeah. Because they, they say, hey, I thought you guys believed this. Yeah. I thought this is what you really value. And, uh, and it makes us go back uh, and embrace that. So I just want to encourage you, you know, now is the time. This is the, we've shared this before. The blessing of controversy is, is it brings clarity. It forces you to be, figure out what you believe. And, and I'm just saying this. I think part of the reason we have seen uh, an attraction instead of a loss, a, a, a subtraction, we're in multiplication instead of subtraction, is because we have had a clear trumpet. This is who we are. This is how we roll. And then people get, they make a decision, right? Yeah. You're like, Am I, do I want to be a part of that culture? Absolutely. And that's okay, you know, because every church needs to be okay with the fact that, that everybody's not going to call you their tribe. I mean, everybody doesn't fit in your culture and the way you roll and how you operate. And that's okay. I don't want people coming to our church or being a part of what we're trying to accomplish if they have a different culture because actually it will hurt us and it will hurt them. So even at our starting point classes, which is for our new members, I will boldly say to folks, look, if you got a bunch of concerns or, or questions or things you don't like about, you know, our church, 
we're probably not for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, just, not, yeah. I mean, life's too short. We're right. having fun here. All right? right, we're enjoying it. God's moving. This is our tribe, but it might not be your right. tribe. That's okay. There's lots of other cultures that you can join. Life is too short. You said life is too short. Amen. Have fun. Being the tribe that you want to be. If you're like friction left and right all over the place, then it's probably not find a place where there's not that much friction. Exactly. You know? And I love that. There's freedom. There's no condemnation, but yeah. find your tribe. You know? and, 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 you know, if this is the hill you're going to die on or this is important to yeah. you or whatever, then find those people. But don't go make everybody miserable everywhere that you're at trying to fit into what you value, find people that, that share your values and then run with them and be yeah. happy yeah. Uh, and enjoy the process. So right. so anyway, I, I'm ex very much excited about this, excited about developing the culture that we have uh, around this. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I gave the example, you know, Sunday um, of the IU football team. I'm going to show the video this week, but it was a powerful demonstration of about a four or five year process of taking a football program that was dreadful. I mean, horrific, the bottom of the, the barrel in the, in the conference. And to where now this year, they're ranked in the nation. They'll certainly play in a bowl game. And they almost knocked off one of the top teams in the whole country. Uh, uh, but what you see is that the culture went from being toxic mm -hmm to being a culture that's life-giving. They're truly having fun. And um, and so, as we both know, this is so critical to be intentional, to be a cultural architect. And that, In fact, I love that terminology. That's what leaders are. You're a cultural architect. You change the atmosphere. You change the environment. And you might not be the person in charge, but you bring something to the table wherever you're at. And, you are, and you're responsible to the degree that you're leading to controlling and setting the atmosphere for the environment. You know, you're talking about your home, and I, I want to get into what you're doing with, with your son. But, and I'll give an example from my home. You know, I was frustrated with this or that or with my kids' lack of response and the way I wanted them to, and I just lost it, you know. Uh, and I, I gave them a piece of my mind, and uh, I told them, all right, we're going to have a meeting and get it all together. And the Lord just spoke to me and, and said, um, no, you're not going to get together and give them that nice speech about how they're being <laughs> disobedient. And uh, He said, the reason that there's chaos in your home is because you set the environment. You create the culture with your attitude. Mm. And I realized, wow, the reason my kids were acting that way is because that's sometimes how I act. Yeah. If your home doesn't have joy, look in the mirror. Right. It, you know, if your home doesn't have order, look in the mirror. If your marriage isn't going great and, and there's no fun in your marriage, why is there no fun? Are you fun to be with? Right. Uh, what kind of environment are do you? Do you want a loving environment? Then be loving. Right. Do you want a kind environment? Be kind. Do you want a compassionate? Do you want to? Do you want to move in supernatural blessing? Then you have to be someone that moves in faith and generosity. I mean, you know, we got to own the environment. And I think in marriage, in particular, in a family, it's very easy to say, "Well, she." If my if my wife, right. you know, right. uh, and and again, okay, so hand her the keys. I guess your wife's in charge. You know, I guess she's the one that uh, that's the, the God given leader in your home. Right. No, that's not the case. You are the God given leader. Take responsibility. Set the tone. Create the create the culture that looks like the kingdom, and you'll see the blessings. Right. And I don't think most leaders understand how much authority they've been given 
to shape the culture. Now, part of that is you have to, you know, we talked about self-government before, before anything else. You have to govern yourself, or like you said, you have to look inside and say, in what way am I not leading correctly? Yeah. Where you am I toxic? Where am I toxic? Well, you may have to go repent to your kids and to your wife, yeah, which I've, I've done, done, I've done that over and over again. Oh, definitely, I repent to my kids. They don't even know what, what I'm saying because they're so young, but I'm repenting because I'm repenting before the Lord because yeah. of my attitude. But I, I think once you start to really understand the authority you've been given, it's really creative, it's fun. You know, I sat down with my wife and we really we, we had some cards about values and we worked through it and we figured out what are our main values. And we develop uh, phrases we want to tell our young kids. You know, I have, I have a young kid, I have a six and a five and a three-year-old. So young kids. So they're very impressionable. But a lot of the way, the best way to, to, to teach them or to train them is just repetition over and over again. We don't do this. Oh, we do this. You know, so one of our value is I was sharing with Pastor Ron, it's like instead of saying, because, you know, kids are mean to each other and are to our kids and they were like, you know, they fight over things, toys and whatever. So instead of saying to them, uh, be nice to each other, you know, uh, for us, my wife and I, we want to be proactive. So one of our, our values is we protect each other. So to That's me, good. being nice is kind of passive. You're a nice yeah. guy. You sit around. You don't want to stir. You're, you're a peace uh, uh, keeper. You know, instead of being a peacemaker, right? Am I right? You're not. You're not being proactive. Protect means you're actually doing things. Like in the context of relationship yeah. and kindness, hey, I'm protecting this relationship by treating my little sister right. in a way that that keeps our relationship healthy. Absolutely. Not just be nice. Right. What does that look it's, like? It's proactive. You're thinking ahead of time. So, so for example, you know, if they're fighting over something, and I don't know who had it first, you know, and I'm trying to be judged right there. I don't right. know what's right. going on. Too much work. I don't say all that. I don't say, well, who had it first or who did it last time? Too much work for me. I just say, hey, our job, we're, what we protect each other. Who's going to protect the other person? Right. So I'm not looking for who's right and wrong. I'm saying who's going to be the more mature, who's going to embody our values more and That's surrender good. this toy or whatever issue to the other person. I want to see who's the better protector. So in that context, they get, they're like, you know, my son and my daughter would be like, okay, I want to protect me, me, I want to protect, you know, go, go, whatever it is. And they will surrender. So I'm teaching them, like, you know, what we're trying to teach in marriage all the time is who's the one who surrendered, the one who lays down their life is the more mature one because our values protection. So that works so much <laughs> better. I got a funny me. story on that because we would say, you know, the kids are fighting yeah, over yeah. the toy. Hey, who wants the greatest blessing? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the one who gives is the one and the one who serves gets the greater blessing. The problem is when they're young and carnal, they're like, all right, you get the greater blessing. <laughs> Give me the toy. <laughs> Don't you want that greater blessing? Give me this They're thing. Like, nah, that hasn't, that hasn't yeah. quite. <laughs> so it takes repetition. Uh, yeah, yeah. It takes, you know, and, and again, I'm not saying it's easy, but repetition over and over again. You start ingraining. You practice that with them, you know, like I want to protect you. So, so again, being intentional, repetition, and doing that over and over again, demonstrating yourself, starts. it starts ingraining them. Be like, hey, I want to be a protector. You know? So you good. see a kid being bullied. You're not just saying, I want to be nice. That means... You stand back and make sure no one's upset or, or you don't do anything. No, you're going to go protect a kid being bullied because you're a protector. I'm trying to ingrain That's, good. That's just one of the values we try to ingrain in our family, yeah. among others. You know? And I love it. You've, you, know, you want your son, for instance, to move in faith. One of the big faith killers is the fear of failure. Man, mm-hmm. if I step out, what's going to happen? What if I fail? You know, I know a lot of churches, they're, they're worried about opening up because this is, this is their secret fear. What if people get sick? Mm-hmm. And then what if 
the culture around us, the, our neighbors start pointing fingers. Bad church, bad church. Look what you guys are doing. You're, you're a threat to the community. What if the newspapers show up? What if the television cameras show up? What if we're on Fox News as the bad church? I mean, literally, your mind crosses bridge after bridge. And so you're afraid of failure, which is why you don't move in faith. We should be saying, what if people get saved? Yeah. What if we're a blessing to the community? What if no one gets sick? What if what, what if we move on and, and, and we're such a blessing, we're touching people and providing hope, and, and, and this is the one place where people can come and encounter Jesus? And what if they encounter Jesus and they're healed? I mean, why don't we... Put our faith in the other side. Why don't we get out of the boat instead of playing it safe? But it really goes back to fear of man, yeah. fear of failure. And I love what you're doing. You're saying your son is a perfectionist by nature. Yeah. Uh, and so how are you breaking that fear of failure? Right. So it's interesting because my son is, you know, yeah, I mean, I can tell. He's like me. We both have that perfectionist streak. Yeah. Uh, on one end, you know, he can be very meticulous and think very deeply. On the end, he's so allergic to failure. Yeah. He like hates most of losing. us are. He hates failure, but like to a to an amplified degree, yeah. Yeah. which I relate to because that's how I'm wired. Sure. So you want to do it right. You want to be yeah, excellent. But it's 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 pathological to a certain degree. It yeah. becomes no, kind of obsessive compulsive. It's not the healthiest thing, and I recognize that because that's in my own heart. And I, at, at six years old, I realized that he has to. He will be battling that for us. I can tell already that his biggest challenge in his life is not to not be lazy, not right. uh, being that's intelligent not be enough. He's intelligent. He'll work hard is that he's so afraid of failures, he won't take any risks. Therefore, he won't really learn. We talk about this in the we global mindset. the shadow. The shadow, yeah, his mind. I really can tell because he's so like me. So at six years old, what I'm trying to ingrain in him is I'm on the normalized failure for him. That sounds kind of weird. But no, explain that normalized failure. I mean, who wants to who wants, right? I want him to realize it's okay to fail. In fact, when you fail forward, it's actually good. So I'm incentivized. I'm celebrating it. If he does a task and it's easy, it's nothing. He's like, yeah, I did it. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Right. But when he does something very difficult and fails, I celebrate it. I'm like, I don't care if you fail. You tried it. Yeah, good job. So, so literally, <laughs> what'd you learn? Yeah. So literally, it's not I, the end of the world. I I I I give him some like video computer games that. It's more. It's harder for his age at the time, so he will do these levels and he will fail and he would just lose it. He just lose. He just emotionally can't handle it. And I will watch that happen. I will. I will allow that to happen. I feel like God does that to us sometimes. He'll allow <laughs> us to happen. You're exactly right. And then and then afterwards, I'll take him aside and I'll say, Hey, son, I, I gave you. Why do you give it such a hard level? I can't do. And I'll be like, Well, because I'm actually trying to teach you and train you to control your emotions when you fail at a young age. We talked about the shift between I'm a failure yeah. to I failed at this task, yeah. but I'm not a failure. The Lord defines my identity. You're still a precious son. You're still incredibly exactly. bright. This failure is not a setback. No. This failure is a launch pad into greater successes. In, in fact, I'm actually, you know, you know, when you go in gym, you do reps, you know, you do, you strengthen your muscle. I'm strengthening his failure muscle to say, so that when he's, when he fails, he wouldn't just give up. Cause right now that's what he does. I don't want to ever do this ever again. Cause that's what I did growing up. Yeah. And I wanted to teach him. And it's interesting cause he got so mad at me one day. I said, son, <laughs> I said, I mean, he was so mad at me. You just want me to fail and whatever. So I took him on a walk. We came to the walk. I took him a long walk around the church. I told him my story growing up. And I gave him a tagline. I said, hey, why do I want you to fail? So you can learn grit. 
grit, G-R-I-T. You like that yeah. word because yeah. it sounds so. like grits, grits. Yeah. <laughs> and so, My wife likes yeah, grits, by the way. I love grits. So, <laughs> so you can learn grit and why you want grit so you can be a great man. So he can, just simple repetition, he's connecting those dots so that when he fails now, so I ask him, why do we fail? You know, so we can learn to get back up. Why? So we can learn grit, so we can be a great man. So now, so I'm giving him these little tools to help them learn to, to value failure. Again, after everything I've read, learned. But, but this is all about a yeah. culture in your house right. where you're being intentional about how you guys roll. Obviously, your family exists for the glory of God. Your right. son is a gift from God. He has a destiny on his life. All of this ties into shaping him sure. to be the man of God that God intends right. for him to be. Yeah, and my wife and I sat down. We we decided one of our core values is we are going to take risks. We're not going to be a. We we know we 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 value we recognize it, and that's something that my wife and I are learning so much for ourselves, and we want to ingrain in our kids. So, so we have, but it takes work. You gotta be intentional, right? You gotta be, you gotta have repetition. Yep. You gotta explain to your kids. Sometimes you gotta clarify what they is. You gotta reinforce it. But you do it over years and years and years and years. And by the time they're teenagers, hopefully those values have been ingrained in them. And that's, that's how you lead. It becomes who they are. So it's just part of your family culture. Yeah. And um, and I just want to encourage us too. You know, we're gonna talk about a, a growth mindset. Um, as a, as a value at Living Stones, we just realize that until until I recognize where I'm still toxic, where the where the kingdom of God has not permeated my own heart, my own demeanor. I used to be much more serious. I used to be much more tightly wound. I used to be much more discouraged. I used to be more negative. Uh, I used to be more critical. Um, I've, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, I've killed a lot of those things. God's killed them in me to where I determined at one point in my life, I don't want to be, I want to. I want my kids and my grandkids to know uh, that grandpa was full of the joy of the Lord. And I realized that was not what they probably would have said about me at the time. But you know what? I've changed a lot. Mm. Um, I want to love people. I want to be engaged with people. Um, I want to. I want to be full of energy and, and positive. Uh, you know, uh, uh, hope and faith and love. That, that's that's what I want. So I come to church early. I spend time with the Lord, and then I'm out with the people before church happens. I'm trying to hug as many people as I can. Well, why am I doing that? Because I think that looks more like Jesus than me being grumpy, grouchy, yeah. cerebral. You know, uh, whatever. Uh, I think that looks more like Jesus. I want to be known as a lover of God and a lover of people. Amen. So I got to be intentional about that. But I wasn't always that way. I had to deal with the toxicity inside of me, and I still, you know, and as we're as we are fleshing out our values at Living Stones, putting them in writing, I still realize that those values are going to be an ongoing source of challenge to me, because I need to make sure I'm being intentional about living that way. Yeah. Because that's who we are here, and that's that's what I want it to to be. So, any final words in your heart on the whole pursuit of culture? Yeah, I I just think you know I I read this somewhere. I'm not sure if I thought of it first. I read it somewhere first, but you know, 2020 is really a year of clarity, clarifying. Just look at it on a national scale. Uh, we clearly see uh, people. People's true color, governors' true colors, uh, a lot of elected officials' true our people, colors, our nation, our nation's true colors, the um, media, the media true colors, e even the election, the stuff that the election has revealed. A lot of people's true colors are being revealed. There's clarity. You know, is that a coincidence? I don't feel like it is in terms of from the Lord's perspective. Yeah. 2020. You know, and that's I, interesting. You know, the whole 2020 
vision. Vision, yeah. Uh, and we're thinking, man, this hasn't been a year about vision. This has been a year of struggle. But just what you said is so true. The, the conflict in all we've dealt with has helped to bring clarity as to, 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 to bring the hidden things to the light. Yeah. Who are we? Right. Where, what is our toxicity? What are our strengths as a nation? What's being exposed? Man, 2020 has been a year where the Lord has taken the lens and brought things into great Absolutely. focus. Absolutely. I think there's a greater awareness of everything nationally than ever. Now, that's on the national level. But but in, for us, you know, as a church, I think, you know, the clarity of who we are, Livingstone is, who uh, the clarity of the church at large in America. Are we essential? Are we non-essential? Do we see ourselves as essential? Do we see ourselves as non-essential? Yeah. But then even on the, on the very uh, uh, personal level, there's such clarity for me to see what's in my own heart, you know, my own family, what's, what is really inside, and what do I truly believe? And I want to challenge you guys to look at yourself and say, what are your true values? What are your core values, and are you living them out? Are you are you demonstrating? Are you exhibiting these? Are you leading your family in this way? Yeah. And if not, why not? Yep. You know, we we we'll, well, we'll love to say we're about this and this, but are you actually living that out? Is there clarity? Clarity is good. Now we got to add to. We got to work on whatever clear whatever it's been clarified. We got to work on it, yep. but you got to start with clarity. That's so good. So you know, maybe that's the final challenge for today. It's just. Let's be real clear about who we are. What are our convictions? Uh, how do we live? How do we operate? How do we react in certain situations? Uh, are we going to go back to our default, which is who we've really become, the values we've incarnated, or are we going to always be reactionary? Are you going to be, uh, I like someone said one time, you know, um, about being a thermostat. Um, yeah. We're the ones that set the, the temperature of the room, all right? We're the ones that... What we carry changes the atmosphere. Um, I got to tell you, you know, I, today they're, they're doing some expansion because we've been running out of parking lot. Yeah. And there's something just, yeah. I get excited. When I see, yeah. when I see building and I yeah. see growth and I see things being pushed away and, and you know, uh, tractors, all this stuff that I have actually no experience with. But when I see that, what that translates to is vision, yeah. movement expansion, growth, multiplication, all of these things are part of the kingdom. The Bible says there in Acts 2 that, that, that every day people were being added to the church of Jesus Christ. I think we all want to be a part of a church like that. We all want to be a part of a business like that, of a, of a marriage and a family like that. So let vision inspire you. Let value and culture excite you and then become a cultural architect. Start with yourself begin to tear apart the things that are that are ungodly and toxic and begin to create good soil. The Bible talks about the parable of the of the soil. The seed was good, but that seed fell on four different kinds of soil. What kind of soil yeah. is 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 in you? Uh, let's work on getting good soil so the word of the Lord can produce amazing fruit in our lives. I want to encourage you, Andrew and I both do, your responses to the podcast are so great. When you send it to a friend or you make a comment, hey, that was really great, or boy, that point you made on this was so helpful to us, That's that really uh, energizes us too because part of our core value is to equip and to train and grow people. And, uh, and if you're growing, that means that this is helpful and it just encourages us. So please help share it, help us with some feedback on that. Uh, and even if you got ideas on things that would be good to talk about that might be really helpful to you personally, 
uh, don't hesitate you know, to let us know that. This Sunday, we're going to be talking about our first uh, core value here at Living Stones, which is bold faith, faith that believes God for big things. We encourage you to come out. Uh, I'd like to say come out at 8.30 and come out at 11.30 because the 10 o'clock service is maxed. If you're coming to that one, come out early. Um, but we do need you to, to come early or come late because those those services still have some room for growth, which is again a great great problem. We, we do having. have uh, childcare for third service, not first. So okay, so child, full full uh, children's ministry second service, and we have uh, third service uh, third service as well. So yeah. anyway, great stuff going on. We hope this is encouraging to you. Let's all work together to be part of the healing and restoration process in our nation. Uh, in our families, and our churches. Uh, let's be a part of the solution. Let's create some good culture together. Have a great week. We'll see you next Thursday.